Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, it's Wednesday. It's football offseason. We are marching our way to a season which we hope by some miracle will happen. <laughs> uh, almost had a golf tournament not happen after spending God knows how many hours handicapping that mother. Um, how are you doing this Wednesday? Corona free? I'm good. I'm good. I guess I'm glad they, I don't know, without getting too far into the weeds about it, you know, everybody has an opinion on this stuff, but I guess I'm of the opinion that they put this tournament together. They've had, you know, the golf tournament up there in Connecticut. They've had enough time to put fail safes and plans in place. And, you know, if people, and there's, there's, you know, whisperings of people breaking some of those protocols, golfer, a golfer. And I mean, there should be punishment for that because you're putting the whole, t- it's one thing to just like, Oh, I, you know, I cheated at golf. I, I grounded my club. This is like, put it, you know, if, if you're breaking protocols like this and putting the whole tour at risk, that's rough. I'm not a fan of that, but I think they kind of just said like, we expected some positive tests and we have, things in place for this and the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess you we'll were, see, unless yeah, there's like a bunch more positives tomorrow. Yeah. Um, well, the tournament, I mean, the tour is officially out of the South where we have the hotspots currently. Um, they had from here to Ohio and from Ohio to, to uh, Michigan. And so it's kind of going to cruise through some of the parts of the country that um, maybe have done a better job of, um, you know, reducing community spread. Um, that's not to say that uh, the PGA Tour won't at some point get completely derailed here. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, honestly, if they can't figure out how to um, play golf, um, which is basically tailor-made for this type of, uh, you know, type of impediment, I think, uh, you know, team sports in general are probably going to be very tough to compete if, you um, you know, if we are really are just going to kind of throw our hands up, give up and, uh, you know, go the Sweden route here, which it seems like we very much are as a country. Uh, and it's very, very depressing. Um, cause it didn't have to be like this. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to distract myself by thinking about the NFL and I'm going to hope and pray that the NFL um, gets its shit together and starts really taking this more seriously and has a plan in place as far as, uh, you know, compensating players. So we don't have the same issue that came up in the, uh, with major league baseball. Uh, and they have a plan in place to, um, you know, keep everybody uh, healthy throughout the season so that we don't have just random shit, like, you know, player X is suddenly scratched on, you know, Saturday on Sunday morning and it completely throws off a whole week of handicapping. It's going to, that, that has this has the potential to just just royally, um, you know, rain on our 2020 even more than it already has been at this point. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess has your confidence shaken at all that we're actually going to get a season? Am I overreacting? Uh, maybe. Like uh, it's it's tough to tell from week to week here. It really sucks to like try to make any predictions here because I think just about everything I've thought has been wildly wrong both ways. Like I've overreacted and underreacted. So I don't know, man, that, that made me nervous. You're always, you're a little more doom and gloom than me when it comes to that. I still think 
I guess if I had to say what I think happens in team sports for the rest of the year, I think at least one of the four major leagues will screw this up and have to have to pause, if not pause, pause, if not cancel. Like NBA is doing everything in a bubble. And if it just gets, if it gets hit quickly down there, everybody's so close already. Like if, if you have been Florida's a mess right now, I don't love that. I don't really understand what the NHL is doing. MLB, I think it's going to be a lot of travel, a little more travel than they probably should be doing. And the NFL, God knows what's, you know, they're, they don't have a strong track record of planning things out like this. Maybe player, we should, safety. You know, yeah, player safety. We should, uh, we made the joke about they shouldn't be doing uh, the London games. Oh, we can't have London. We can't have Mexico. They should play all these games in like Germany. Or, like, what, what are the countries that got this under control? Move the whole Dude, thing out of America. Is... That would be the safest thing to do. But who, who knows? There's so many different risks. Just like the bubble thing sounds good. Like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna keep this under control. But it just sounds like an incubator to me. And then yeah, sure. baseball, the, like the amount of travel baseball is going to do, and they they did say baseball is going to play. You're going to play a lot of your division foes, just more. You know, there's no sense in sending East Coast teams out to the West Coast multiple times during a freaking asterisk truncated season. Anyway, just everybody play the teams nearby, teams in your division. Let's not get too wild here. Let's get out of here and just call it a season. So I'm I'm hoping, but. Who the fuck knows, man? Yeah, well, I you know when when we're when the when the competing news is you know the highest ever number of confirmed cases in the United States, and the NFL news is uh, you know memo from the league owners that you know, each team can figure out what they're going to do with how many fans they're going to have in the stadiums. Like, what are, these are two totally different realities. Like, I just it's it's not a great sign that the nfl doesn't it's not a great sign that the nfl does not is not living in like the same reality that the rest of us are oh we talked about this just off air like there's there's governors because they have given the states some autonomy on the states rights i mean you go all the way back to constitutional law and you know the states have a lot of rights compared to you know what the federal government can tell them to do but the fact that they have these rights, you've kind of found out like, oh, there's some pretty stupid governors. Like, yeah, just, well. <laughs> like that, that's, you know, there, there are some states that did some things right. There's some states that are absolutely doing it wrong. And the same probably is going to go if they let team owners and team management do this. Like there's going to be some teams that really bungle this. And, you know, oh, what does it take? Does it just take one team having like half the team out? Or will they call the seat? I don't know what the plan would be. I, yeah, think, I, I think Roger I would really just be like, man, guess what? The Rams are out. We're a we're a thirty-one team league this year. <laughs> like, it's crazy. This train, this train don't stop. Yeah, stop. Okay. Well, uh, the 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 virus news definitely threw cold water on a, a day that I usually am very excited to talk about football. Uh, on Wednesdays, this has been a great uh, little um, revival this spring to kind of have, you know, some. Uh, something positive going uh in oh, just you know yeah and so let's uh, we'll put put a little uh put a little pause on the uh doom and gloom and uh talk a little bit about uh this upcoming season 
And today, I think it's worth putting a little bit of focus on how we're going to evaluate, how we're going to uh, develop priors to uh, represent defensive performance of these teams. Um, talk a little bit about that, you know, kind of peel back the curtain a little bit in terms of philosophy of modeling for, um, you know, specific, you know, specifically for the NFL. Uh, and then from that, maybe we can pivot to talking about the defensive player of the year award market, which looks extremely difficult. Um, always, always a fan favorite in the, in the Periscope chats. Always. Oh, yeah. Yes. TJ Watt was cheated last year. The the deep dive Periscope uh, viewers felt uh, TJ Watt was the guy. Um, And I don't 100% disagree, I guess, but I was surprised at what my numbers, you know, had him in terms of overall, uh, you know, overall defensive player. Have you ever won a defensive player of the year bet? I thought you were going to ask if I won the award. Like, what the fuck? No, no. Have you ever won a bet on the defensive player of the year? I've probably made like three, and they've all been like Daniil Hunter. <laughs> you gonna bet him this year? His numbers finally down like somewhere where it should be. I think he's only probably twenty five to one. Yeah, you know, I bet him like a hundred to one a couple years ago. I thought that was a good bet. Oh, it probably was. Good bets don't always cash. Yeah, I think. Um, and actually, like you know how we kind of have philosophy for MVP and a philosophy for coach of the year and you know philosophy for rookie of the year and oh, stuff the process like, yeah the process you know it's just like you have a set of you know we kind of have a way of, of developing those um I had one of those for defensive player of the year that I think was absolutely ass backwards like literally ass backwards I think the market is priced one way and I think the award is actually um voted on a different way and I'll get we'll get and say without I'll, I'll, a little spoiler alert that's my uh, my major talking point for the defense player of the year award this year. Cause I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever had success, uh, um, you know, making a bet on this award, uh, which is crazy because it's, you know, you just look at the list over the years and it's been pretty chalky. <laughs> Not a lot of randos uh, on this list. A lot of people who you would say were consensus um, best defensive player in the league. Um, so We'll uh, we'll get to there in a little bit, but let's talk let's talk about the defense a little bit uh, before we you know before we get to that point. Um, do you have any thoughts on sort of the philosophy that emerged a couple of years ago from the analytics community that was kind of tongue in cheek? Defense doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean it's a fun it's a fun tongue in cheek thing, but at the same time, I think it. It's almost like the the running backs doesn't matter. It doesn't mean running backs don't matter. It means don't pay a running back a shitload of yeah, money. Yeah, it means running backs are replaceable. It mean, yeah, it means like the, the, the delta between the best running back and his backup's backup isn't big enough to justify the amount of cap space you're going to use to pay Zeke or any other quarter running back, I guess. But uh, And the same thing for defense. It doesn't mean defense. Defenses matter. Defense matters a whole bunch. It's half the game. But Some people fan. would say it wins championships. Yeah, it, I don't know about all that. I, let's, <laughs> let's not get crazy. But defense don't matter is a, a good way to, between seasons to say defense doesn't really predict success from year to year. And there are just – I mean, it, I've seen hard numbers for this, but, I mean – just hard anecdotal evidence every single year. There's a team that you know has a defense absolutely carry them, and everybody remembers that, and then that team just falls flat on their face. And that's not always the case. There's some good coaches, good organizations who are able to 
keep a top 10 defense rolling for a few years on end, but there's been a lot of kids like just the, and sometimes I think you need to look a little deeper into that too, as far as like what the hell was going on with some of the things that actually maybe won't regress because you don't have a big enough sample size, but boy, if they're going to move one way, it should be a, you know, up or down based on how off median they are. Like the 49ers intercepting two passes all year. Yeah, that was a that was yeah. Oh, you know, I think they had <laughs> yeah. like three in the first game or something back, and we we had a good laugh about that. But the same thing, the Bears having God against James Winston, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, as it turned out, that, that just that was more of a scheduling glitch. But how many turnovers did the Bears force two years ago? When yeah, they made the run and won the NFC North. Mm-hmm. You know. That, that was one of those things we looked at right away. Like maybe they aren't going to force a trillion turnovers next year. They might not be as good. The bears Twitter was mad, but I mean, it turned out uh, Trubisky played a role in that too, but the, you know, the overall arc of every single game was a lot different if you're not getting like three turnovers a game. Yeah. So is it, is it fair to say that uh, defense doesn't matter is really just a um, kind of a, a, a quip, a moniker, a, a, a shortened saying for kind of a bunch of different concepts. And you want to kind of touch on those one by one here. Uh, I'll, and tell me if you disagree. Um, I think the, the first and foremost is, um, you know, the, the, this is, this has been proven, uh, you know, this has been shown pretty clearly in terms of just projecting and predicting, um, you know, a, a, a team's performance in any given week. Um, the offense is just a much stronger signal than the defense. Like in some cases, you know, one might say four to one is a reasonable ratio of how you would want to weight offense versus defense uh, in terms of a predictive model. Um, you know, for, for fantasy guys, I know they've, they've shown that, uh, you know, you can, it's effectively negligible to, you know, to, you know, if you are going to, bad in the de- defense that the team is that the player is facing in terms of trying to project their uh their given contribution during a game um but for projecting sides and totals i think defense is uh you know size for sure totals maybe less so but size for sure you you know you're weighing defense something like uh, a quarter is as highly as you are weighing the offense um and i, I, I think yeah if you want to look at a defense real gen- generically, generally 10,000-foot view, I think you're right. Like, that's not the way to, to do it. If you are just going to wait it from a, a real taking a step back and saying, here's what I think their defense is, here's what I think their offense is, um, you know, five like five-to-one ratio or whatever you said, that, that's probably fair. I think the, the only ways that we were ever really factoring defense in strongly – where we were saying it's not baked into the line, it's not baked into the season win total. Like this is something maybe that we can find a small edge on. It's like matchups, you know. Yeah, subunit subunit matchups. Like yeah, for sure. That's that's like if I'm ever waiting defense for anything handicapping, it's got to be like man, this interior line might get chewed up, and they just they're not going to match up well against the secondary either. Like there's just a couple of you know, swing matchups. Like this defense might be a middle of the road defense, but if you're facing uh, maybe some injuries on the interior offensive line, something's going on, 
you know, the, the receivers just not going to match up good against the way the secondary scheme works. A few little things like that that can kind of tilt your bet one way or another. But, like, defense as a whole, it's really hard to just say, oh, their defense is really good, so I'm going to bet on this team because, like, that's that's in the line. Yeah, I and, think um, – Like, I think you're talking more year to year. And from year to year, it's like, you know, those, those regular season win totals, those are like median projections set for in the whole market's been betting in these for months or do you think you're gonna say man bill's defense was really good last year and i know like thousands of people <laughs> bet into this line but i think i know a little bit more about the bills and that defense is <laughs> this many wins and not to say it's like a bad bet you might or a bet you will lose every time but you know you, yeah. you can't be just generically saying good defense regular season win total over probably wins the division. Yeah, no, that's a very, very, very good point. Um, I think I, the point I was trying to get at really more, and I, 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 completely, agree. I completely agree with all of that, but the uh, I guess the point I was trying to make is, like, well, why is it that defense is, you know, it's it's why why do we under, down, why do we downweight it? Is And part of that reason, I think, is there's not really a metric that captures a defensive strength that isn't first and foremost a reflection of the offenses that the defense has played, right? That's a huge part of any metric that you have for a defense is kind of a reflection of the schedule. Okay. You're, yeah. you're, you're not calling the plays on defense. The offense is calling the plays. You're not kind of, you're reacting. You are, uh, you are at best, you know, trying to contain and react in a way that uh, limits, uh, you know, limits drives, limits scoring opportunities, and keeps your team in the game. Yeah, right. So well, you're that, you're not really in control. I mean, you you will see instances. Let's say the Rams Patriots Super Bowl, like a defensive scheme kind of won that game because Absolutely. the other coach did the other well. And that I don't even want to say that's true. It's it's almost like the Rams offense against sputtering against that defense wasn't the defense for the Patriots wasn't like the problem or it was a result of the problem. The real problem was McVay just not wanting to make any adjustment whatsoever. Like this is our game plan. We're going with it. And here you go. This is going to be a really fucking awful Super Bowl. Like that, it, it does happen where a defensive scheme just works, and that's what that's what wins a game. But it's sure. just, you know, at the same time, I think, like you said, defense is reactive. There's so many different things that can be. I think there's you know outside of like a quarterback being injured during a game, there's so many different game states and situations that hurt a defense way more than can hurt an offense. Mm-hmm. Just like like we've seen, I can't remember who wrote this. I think we've referenced this before, and we still didn't go like find the article. But there's there's good evidence out there that just not having depth at corner, or having like one really good corner, one really good coverage guy, and the rest not being great, like you just you can't have a good defense that way. You're not going to be successful in the league. If yeah, you, you have a league. You have a league. Yeah, it's, it's a pass. It's a pass league. If you don't have the depth. At, at in your defensive secondary, some decent players, you're gonna have a bad time. Fuck if it rains, that's bad for the defense. Like you know, you say, oh, the ball's gonna be slow. You know, obviously, if you're playing in a monsoon, you're gonna get a six to three game. But if the field <laughs> or nine zero, what was nine zero? Yeah, nine zero. 
Was that yeah. Niners skins? That was Niners skins. Yeah. yeah, that was a terrible, terrible game. <laughs> and again, like <laughs> kudos to the skins defense. Like they looked kind of good at really good at times in that game, but at the same time, you know, if it's just a little wet, like you're reacting. Defenders are going to slip. Offensive players know where they're going. Defensive players are always guessing. So, yeah, they're constantly at a disadvantage. And I want to say, I don't have all the rule changes in front of me, but they've made quite a few rule changes over the last decade to just further that. Yeah, that's a good point. And, um, I mean, just go look at the total points scored every year. It's gone up. But you're, but you're bringing up another huge point, which is, and I think what you're saying, rule changes, you're implying that they, that, the referees are, you know, incentivized by the rule changes to make it harder to defend the pass um, via the pass interference penalty. And that kind of speaks to, I think, another reason that the defense is not as predictive. It's not as strong a signal. And that's because now beyond just the fact that it's in a lot of ways reflective of the offenses it's played. Uh, I think it's reflective of, I mean, it's influenced your, any kind of metric, any kind of, even if it's qualitative perception, uh, any type of um, you know parameter you're going to put into a model to represent the defense is going to be strongly influenced by wildly high leverage plays, and that stuff is not predictive. Well, did they come away with the pick, or did it bounce off the guy's face? Did they did they recover the fumble, or did it bounce out of bounds or right back into the offensive tackle's breadbasket? Did they uh, you know did they get the pass interference? called against them or did the you know did the referee swallow the whistle like those sort of things are completely unpredictable you're never going to really be able to say that you know teams are i guess you know belichick aside because he has his players specifically test the rest for the you know pass interference thing and belichick aside because he specifically trains his guys to recover fumbles um but you know all other 31 coaches and 31 defenses out there like those things are just wildly unpredictable high leverage plays and they mean a ton do you agree with that? Yeah. And like if you had to say, because what spun through my head when you first started that mini rant about high leverage plays was, you know, looking at a small sample size of how you would rate a defense or an offense, you know, the, a counter argument to almost anything you could say would be like, I haven't played anybody. And yet you can, you know, you can say that about both units. But at the same time, I think that's going to be way more signal when you're talking about a defense, like a defensive six, a defensive success or lack of is a lot more dependent on what offenses they've played than the other way around. In my mind, I don't know if you disagree with that. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like that, absolutely. Like, there, I can give you, again, give you like 10 examples from, from last offensively. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think you say like, Oh, this is a really good defense. But like, and they, they played some, some teams with some lower end quarterbacks with some newer coordinators or some shitty schemes and just and at the same time good offenses are going to do it no matter what no our analytics friends have proven out a very fair axiom which is you can't take an eight you can be eight weeks into the season you can be halfway into eight games into the season and it is impossible to predict what defenses are going to be good in the nfl over the second eight games of the season and this is like rosters aren't really changing much injuries are happening but that's about it like it's it's crazy that you have such a disconnect over just an eight game sample to the first half and the eight game sample to the second half in terms of who's even good 
Um, and I think, you know, you can probably look, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, like my numbers on the Patriots defense last year were all freaking over the place. Like over the first eight weeks of the season, I was like, this is the greatest defense that has ever taken the field and of football. Like the numbers yeah. that I had were like, like the Z score was like impossible. It was so freaking high and they were so freaking good. And go, go back and look at the quarterbacks they faced over the first eight weeks. It was a who's who of who shouldn't be in the NFL. Like it was such a weak schedule over the first eight weeks of that season. We brought uh, up the perfect example you did earlier. That's crazy. Well, just with another team, like, and in the moment, you don't know what you'll know at the end of the year. You get that, you get that uh, nine. Let's, I, we don't, I don't even know if that's a hundred percent true, but let's just say that is who they played. You know, the Niners, the Niners Tampa Bay game that we are pretty sure happened. Yes, that was week one. Yeah, so they play, and Jameis throws three picks. At that point, like, man, Niners defense looking good this year. I mean, well, I mean, they were, and they had some great players, and they had some a really nice stint before they had some injuries, and they turned out to be one of the best teams in the league. But at the same time, like, we didn't know that. when We didn't know Jameis was going to be a guy that – you know, through like 27 more interceptions. That <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it, it, That's it's, right. Hard to, it's hard to, who, who are you going to attribute that to at that point? Yeah. But uh, it's very difficult to say, like it, to say with certainty, this is a good defense. This is going to be a good defense without knowing what kind of arc that quarterback, that offense, that scheme, everything. So defense is so yeah. hard to just pin down. Yeah. But, to go back to the Patriots example real quick. So through eight weeks, I'm literally like, okay, this is a historically impossibly good, um, impossibly good defense. Patriots were eight now at that point. Um, they're coming up against the Ravens on Sunday Night Football Week Nine. And if you weight defense equally with offense, you're t- you're projecting the Patriots going into Baltimore and winning that game. Like, period. Like without question, you're you're exposed as hell to the Patriots in that game, uh, and turns out Lamar Jackson, first time they ever faced like a legitimate threat at quarterback for the season, uh, and they get blasted thirty-seven to twenty. Now it was kind of a fluky game, but like it's not a it's not a mystery that at the end of the season you look at the Patriots and yeah, they were about one standard deviation over over average. They were a good defense. They were one or two in the league, depending on how you like to rank defense, you know, what metrics you use. Uh, between them and San Francisco, um, but they weren't like you know all 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 time great, right? And you know, well, why was that? Well, guess what? Over the last eight weeks of the season, they played Lamar Jackson, they played Dak Prescott, they played Carson Wentz, they played that was they, they played by like total Watson, yards. they played Mahomes. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't even their worst game for total yards given up in the season. What was their worst game? You want to guess for total yards given up? <laughs> Uh, was it, it wasn't, uh, oh man. Was it Josh Allen? It was, no, no, oh, no. was it week 17 when they lost to the week Dolphins? 17 for sure. Oh, those clowns. That was such a, that was such a, that really turned the entire playoffs on its freaking head. They were going to be the number two seed, uh, and the Chiefs were going to have to play, uh, on the road, uh, for, yeah, for for round two in Foxborough, all that yes, probably would have won would have won it all anyway. Um, they would have knocked the Titans out of the playoffs. So in the uh, yep. I guess the uh, 
the Ravens would have drawn the Texans, who they handled easily. So it would have changed the complexion of the AFC big time. Um, that Dolphins loss was just insane. Was it like 27 24 or something? Yep. That was their worst. Yeah. Anyway, that, but, but, you know, point really stands though. Like the quarterbacks that they faced over the first eight weeks versus the quarterbacks they faced over the second eight weeks were like two entirely different levels of competition. It's not even close. And you saw it play out in their defensive performance. It was, it was pretty stark. Like they went from three standard deviations over average to one. Like they came back real quick. Um, which is why you can't really. Remember the first Miami game that year? Oh, I remember it was a 20-point spread, and it was 20 to nothing by, like, halftime. And I think it finished 40 to 7-ish. 43 nothing. And then they 43 nothing. That was in Miami. <laughs> oh, my Victory gosh. So let's, let's talk about defensive not, defense not being predictive. <laughs> you know, you sure. beat a team on the road, 43 nothing, have a great defense, and then – Fitzpatrick does his thing and he loses to a terrible team at 27, 24. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah. So basically, you know, this, the, to kind of summarize here, defense doesn't matter is you'll hear that a lot. And I think that can be kind of decomposed into it's not as predictive as offense. And, uh, and that's because it's reflective of the strength of the opponent and it's influenced by a lot of fluky plays. Do you put any emphasis or put, do you ever look at red zone defense? Like if a team, you know, gets a stop at the goal line, like on fourth and one or whatever, like that's, is that repeatable? Right. Like, is that I treat meaningful like data? Red, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, is it, is that, is in your opinion, is it as fluky as a turnover though? Yeah. <laughs> it's tough to No, it's not quite, it's, and it, but it's, it's almost as big as far as you know your percent, your expected win percentage, like because it's it's the same thing. But if you're at the goal line, obviously it's not going to hurt as much as a turnover basically anywhere else in the field. Like you're putting the opposing offense in a in a very difficult spot, but it's still it's a super high leverage play, and I don't know if I give like defense all that much credit for it. Like it's you know, whatever the success rate is for that offense, that it's not a hundred percent. It's never going to be a hundred percent. And there's going to be times where they just don't get it done. Ask Baltimore about that. Yeah. Like, sure. Fourth and fourth and one is an automatic. If it was, everyone would go for it every time. And, you know, I, I treat it as, I don't know what percentage, what would you say? Like three quarters of a turnover. Oh, easily. Oh, no, no. I'm not. It's it's, at the goal line. It's at the goal line. Like anywhere else in the field, it's just as it's it's just like a turnover. Like, hey, you got a turnover at the midfield. When it's like fourth and one on the goal line, like that's what drives me nuts is when anybody who kicks there because (laughs) it's just so much different when you when you do put an offense in that. Like you have a shit you have a shitload of field in front of you, bud. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, The. I guess whenever there's a you know a key stop in the red zone, be it a fourth down or being turning seven points into three via a third key third down stop, mm-hmm. um, I tend to put point the finger at the offense and say you know you guys really failed. It was that was a that was a lack of imagination in play calling. Uh, that was a poor execution, right? Like I, I tend to um, characterize certain teams as very poor red zone offenses. Uh, as opposed to saying, wow, that team has like the most amazing red zone defense of all time, right? Like that's not really a thing. 
It, on, and then on the other side too, and again, it's small samples. It's hard to like actually with a straight face predict regression. But do you remember down the stretch the uh, the Titans? Yeah, yeah. There, there is an offense. The red zone offense good, was like eighty yeah. percent. Impossibly good. They, they went, it, they, I think it was higher. They went like a couple games where it's just like they don't kick field goals. They just score every time they're down there, every single time. Like it was when Henry was getting hot, Tannehill was playing well, and, and it's just like, you know, can you really fade this and say, oh, the red zone offense will regress? Because it might, but not not over a sample size of a couple games. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I would say the – Red zone defense is is something I've never really looked at, but red zone offense, I think I I, I evaluate offensive coordinator performance a lot based on red zone, uh, you know, red zone conversions, um, and I uh, uh, and I do recognize that you can run hot <laughs> in that, and it's not actually, uh, you know, it's not as it can be too good to be true at times when you are just like running as hot as the Titans, um, but uh, yeah, I think. You know, defense. Um, it's it's tough then to sit down and say, okay, well, you know, how do we develop a prior? Who's who's going to have a good defense this year? We can't ignore it entirely. You know, it's got to be part of the equation. You might you might ignore it entirely. Um, but it's. I mean, it it's a it's a difficult task to when you're power ranking teams. Like you said, if you were if you had to power rank a team, just say like take a. Uh, you know, some DVOA takes take any metric like that. Give each offense and each defense a number, and those are the only two numbers you're you're allowed to use in your power numbers when you set it for all 32 teams. Again, what is your ratio? Five to one offense? Pro- yeah, five, four or five to one. Yeah. So, uh, so with that said, like, how much time do you want to dedicate to? actually really, really digging down and getting a really good read on how good the offense or the defense sure. is. No, e- e- yeah. You, you should want, well, not to say it's not important, like 20, you know, let's say 20% of your handicap, but at the same time as you're doing this and you're putting your power numbers together and you're looking at what you think teams should be ranked relative to each other, maybe you should be putting four times as much time into the offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're that. That's that's not crazy. I mean, I, um, I yeah, I'm not saying ignore it, but I'm saying if you're going to allocate time, I, there's a reason I want to allocate time, and I'll get to that in, yeah, in a second. It's less time. There, there's the less time, but there's a reason I want to allocate time, and it has more, much more to do with that when I'm handicapping a game beyond just having a number. Um, I like to try to kind of. St- shape the distribution of outcomes um, in a way that kind of can be supported by path to victory, if that makes sense. Right. Path to victory, I think is important to keep in mind in the NFL with a couple of respects and you can disagree with me, but defense matters in this path path to victory sort of conversation. Um, And I think it comes down to, you can have a run defense that's so bad that I will not even remotely consider backing you regardless of the price. Okay. I think there is a hard threshold where if you can't stop the run, you will not have a chance to steal a win, get a cover, 
late. Like your your late game scoring opportunities are just going to be so few and far between if you can't stop the run that it's not even worth entertaining that you can you can cover that. No, and I, exactly. And I, I think that almost ties into like, you know, when I said, hey, this team has a really weak center guard combo and they're going up against a good interior pass rush. And, sure. You know, I just I don't think they have the offense like, you know, just a real like on the micro level, like and not so micro. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, but stuff like that. That's I think that's where that falls into. It falls into the same category for me because yeah. we, we go over that every year. Like this is a team that if they get behind, the other team is going to run a freaking 18 play seven minute drive on them <laughs> yeah. in the Good early night fourth now. quarter. Yes. And it's just, you know, even if they kick a field goal, they just burnt up half a quarter and then yeah. now, they're up, now they're up, you know, it's, it's probably it's, scores. It's yeah. be one of those field goals that takes them from like, you know, 10 to 13. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. Meaningless field goal. It was the seven minutes that actually mattered. You could have just yeah, right. in the ball right. at the end of that. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, right. So having that seven points doesn't really help you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it's the seven, the seven minutes is so much more important than the points in in a lot of those cases. And we yes. run into we run into that during the season where it's like, for sure. Yeah, love For this. sure. As an underdog, so so there is a so basically there is a right right there is a threshold where your Z score for your run defense in my my in my numbers where yours running score running defense Z score is so low that I won't even look at you as a team. Not entertaining. Like okay, yeah, a lot of times ca- Carolina Panthers off a dog. <laughs> Carolina Panthers fell into that category for like six yeah. of the last seven or eight weeks last season. Jacksonville Jaguars fell into that category for almost the entire last half of last season. Like basically teams were running on those teams at will. They were they really had virtually no chance to cover those those a lot of those games. Um, well, that's the thing too. It, like, if if your power numbers say one thing, they might say, "Hey, you need to be back in Jacksonville here. That number's a little off." It's yeah, still, you know, in like, cases <laughs> like that, I have that all the time. Where it's like, I, uh, just like anything else, I look at a lot of underdogs. Apparently, like, yeah, always. I, yeah. I cross off like five underdogs a week that my numbers say might be a play, just based off not always that, obviously, but a, a, you know, a multitude of different things where it's like, eh. You know this. This just isn't going to work out for them. Yeah, like, yeah, they don't cover. They don't cover often enough for me to really get into that. And that's a big thing too. Like the 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 Panthers. That's a really good example from last year. Yeah, the um, my favorite on the Jags was the I think maybe like week fourteen. Uh, they went to play the LA Chargers, and Chargers were like a super short fav favorite at that point. And my numbers were saying like the Jags deep run defense was like completely falling apart. They had given up like, I don't know. They had given up a couple hundred yards to couple. I think they had given up 200 plus yards rushing like three out of four weeks or something crazy like that. And I was like, dude, chargers can run the ball. Like They are going to absolutely put this team away. This shouldn't be a short number. Uh, and I think they won like 45 to seven or something crazy. Like it wasn't, it was never competitive. That was one of my, my favorite bets I made all year last year was that Chargers laying laying the small favorite against the Jaguars who couldn't stop the run. Um, but anyway, the kind of key rule though is like if you have a run defense that's that bad, um, I'm not interested in, in backing you as a duck. Uh, if you have a pass defense that is below a certain threshold, I'm not interested in backing you as a favorite. 
And that is because teams are going to be able to throw the ball in comeback mode on you. Uh, and it's going to be awfully tough for you to cover those numbers. Um, bad, um, yeah, a bad pass game <laughs> on a favorite is just like holding your butt cheeks open. <laughs> this, this is coming. Yeah, go. I dare you to lay. I dare you to lay points with the Atlanta Falcons. I dare you. <laughs> I dare you. Uh, it's it, you know there were a handful of teams like this last year who just had just atrociously bad pass defensive numbers, um, and uh, from time to time they were favorites, and you. You know, I, you know, Houston was one I never felt comfortable with as a favorite. Uh, you know, that pass defense was it was was brutal. Um, Dallas was a good example. Um, that, uh, I mentioned Atlanta already, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of a, a key threshold where I'm not really interested in, in you as a favorite if you fall below a certain pass uh, pass that you score for me. Um, and then uh, you know, the, the same kind of thing holds true in the opposite direction. Like if you're a good passing team going up against uh, you know, a poor passing defense, it doesn't have to be bottom. Um, but uh, you know, if you're going to have it, if you're going to be in the game, if you can, if you have a chance, you know, it, then, uh, then I'm interested in, in kind of knowing that for sure. And this, you're right. This all kind of plays into matchups. Yeah. And, and honestly, you talk totals too. I yeah. love I love a favorite with a bad pass defense. Yeah, that's a great point. Like you can, yeah. you, you're gonna keep that under forty eight for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah, brought up you brought point. up the Texans, and like I don't mean to bring up like a super outlier game, but boy, that was so perfect when the Texans got up in the playoffs. So I'm yeah. like, oh my god. They're going to give up. D-U-N done. They're going to give up on hundred points now. <laughs> like just that was a per- that was a perfect storm, but it was one of those where it's like you just knew. Yeah. Like they, they might they might score a little more. They might pull this out, but they're giving up thirty five here. Yeah, and then whether they end up giving 50, 51. Yeah, they <laughs> 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 um, defense begets um, more mm-hmm. bad pass defense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I guess when it comes to matchups also, um, and I don't know, do you, I don't really do this, um, quantitatively. I only quantitatively, I kind of stop at, uh, splitting pass and run defense, um, and combine them to get a, uh, I weight them and combine them to get a total, uh, defensive Z score, which goes into my, my numbers, my power numbers. Um, do you split up pass defense between because there's there's two very different types of pass defense. There's pass defense where you're getting to the quarterback, and there's pass defense where you're breaking up the pass. Um, or you're you know there's pass defense where you're you know you're you're doing it via coverage or you're doing it via pass rush. Do you split that? Context matters. It, it's one of those things where without saying everything, I do like the. Both, yeah, it's split, but also like the context of everything matters. Like you can't just say this is a good pass defense, and that's the beauty. Like people bitch about the NFL; it's hard to bet, and like it's hard to get good data because there's only 250 games a year. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes that's to an advantage. Like you can't sit and break down. I mean, maybe there's people that do, and I'm sure there's people that have enough coding and scraping and computer programs to do this, but with the NFL, you can go back and look at every single game pretty closely and say, like, yeah, I mean, did they really deserve to pick him off three times? 
you know, was that actually a good performance by that pass defense? It's going to show like it is on the, on the page and the stats, but none of those interceptions were the defenses, you know, doing because of a tipped pass or, you know, that hit it like hit the receiver's hands and went, went in or, you know, just some fluky fumbles or the quarterback runs into a sack, just a really bad missed block or something, you know, it, mm-hmm. it can start to, I, I, you know, I don't want to say you have to watch every single play of every single game, but if you can start to parse out some of those, well, you just you mentioned it earlier, big plays, high leverage plays, like is the defense really that good? Or did a bunch of high leverage plays go their way, and you know they they actually probably on paper there show it shows that they overperformed. Okay, yeah, because like my past defensive number for San Francisco is yeah, like, was my, last year was, so was much, it was high, it was high. Mine has but, so much Andy context in a yeah. <laughs> like mine. Okay. Mine's so it's it's not as stat based as it probably should be. Mine just because I hate that. I hate like just basing enough stuff on paper that you don't, you don't always believe is true. Yeah. Like San Francisco, do they have a good pass defense or was it just a good pass rush? I think it was pretty clearly a very, very, very like an elite pass rush. Um, but their coverage was score wasn't great. Um, maybe it was like they had a pass rush last year. That was one and a half standard deviations over the average and their um, and their coverage was about average uh, and combine those. And I have them at 0.75. Right. Like, so basically they were very, very good pass defense, but it was all born out of the pass rush. And if you kind of, I guess if you split those two up and you know, like, okay, well, they're going up against a team that's vulnerable to a pass rush, then you have an edge, right? You have an angle, like you have a specific mismatch that might be the differentiating factor of the game, right? We've made bets based on those, right? Yeah. No, I think you hit that right in the head. Maybe you shouldn't have a, and I may I shouldn't it's the wrong word. You can have a power number, a Z score for the defense as a whole, but I think you should be having some maybe some stats, some scores, some power numbers on the individual units. Or at least having enough enough information that you contextualize that you know, this is a good defense, but they're not actually that good of a you know, secondary. Yeah, right. A, a smart team who's shown to out-scheme a defense can, uh, can you know, take the pass rush completely out of the game and pick on a bad secondary with some quick passes and, you know, pulling guards and just, you know, some blocking schemes that might be able to stymie some of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, if the pass rush isn't getting home, this team's not that good. Yeah, and we saw that in the Super Bowl to a degree, right? I mean, yep. Kansas City made their team total. They scored what thirty-one points, yeah. uh, and no, they were going up against an all all universe defense. I mean, not all universe, but like all all league defense that year. You know, number one, number one or two, two A or two B or whatever. Uh, you know, across the league based on how they grade out, and most of it was based on their pass defense. And, and that pass defense, because it happened to be pass rush and not coverage, um, you know, was misleading. It was a misleading number. It, you know, when you, if you just combined defense and uh, an offense at a, at a kind of a, a pass rush granular level, I think. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so how do we then get a prior? I, I mean, I think it's important to have some understanding of this stuff before we even get to week one. Like, if we're going to be betting week one, week two, um, I think we need a strong prior for defense, even I, if it's a relatively small. 
even if it's a relatively, you're going to bet we won. Nice. You're not going to wait until we get a little bit of information and kind of see how, see who is who, and then we'll forget that. No, you're going to bet we won. Should we read a tweet? Really hits close to home for me. <laughs> sport. Oh, sure. Uh, I won't because it picked on somebody uh, yeah. else. But basically, like, you know, the Andy's approach to college basketball of, well, I need some stats to run my model, so maybe I should wait a month for the market. Let the market sharpen up for a month before I bet it. <laughs> Just the stupid things I've said. Yeah, I read a, I read a tweet that boy, it really hit me hard. But yeah, I'll be betting the same game. I mean, we bet races. I'm as soon as as soon as we have some information, we're getting into that. So no, yeah. I'm I'm betting right away. My priors are starting to take shape. Yep. Okay, cool. So how do we get a prior then? Um, I'm going to take my numbers last year, which were largely based on DVOA uh, converted from, I don't know why the DVOA is like presented as a percent. Like I don't get what that means necessarily. So I just have a whole huge database of it and convert it to Z-score. So you have uh, kind of a more useful piece of data, I guess. Um, you should I think there's a ton of people that have no idea what you mean when you say Z scores. Oh, sure. So I'm just simplify uh, you know, that quick. An, an average, an average Almost defense, an average defense or a median defensive performance, um, you know, has you know is uh, falls at the 50th percentile. If you if you're a defense that I'm expecting to perform at the 84th percentile, you are one standard deviation above average, and your Z score is one. If you're a defense I'm expecting to perform at the 16th percentile, you are a minus one. And that is your Z-score, minus one. Um, and this is a useful framework for a lot of reasons, um, most notably because it's a continuum uh, and you don't run into issues at the very, very high end or the very, very low end. You know, to go from a one to a two, you're going from 84th percentile to 95th. To go from a two to a three, you're going from 95th to 99th. Um, and the other reason this is a useful framework is because you can develop discrete distributions that are real meaningful points scored in NFL games, and you can pick off numbers directly. You don't need some complicated formula and you're projecting a score like 23.789, you know, like that's not useful to have, you know, a totally unrealistic, um, you know, you, you want a more real observation of an actual score for a game, in my opinion. And so I like to pick off from a discrete distribution of actual scores by NFL teams. Um, and a good way to do that is just to come up with a percentile. Oh, origami. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. There's, there is some scoreigami, but that's a combination of scores that I've never seen. I've never that's seen true. Um, the, the Z score I got from last season is my starting point for developing a defensive prior. Uh, and I'm going to adjust it based on add additions and subtractions at the player level. Do you think that's a, a fair approach? Yeah. I just need some way to ch- adjust my Z-score um, for free agents added, free agents lost, and draft picks uh, who have ever expected to make some sort of meaningful contribution. Um, how should I do that? Well, you got to start uh, determining what people were worth. I mean, ah, uh, yes, I guess, I guess. Should we just use Madden ratings? Oh no, <laughs> definitely I'm not. I'm kidding. Definitely but, not uh, Madden ratings. I mean, I mean, quick, quickly start with 
getting a good scope of what the defense looks like compared to the last year, rookies, signings, retirements. Sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I think anything you can find where you can say what was this player worth compared to his replacement and put a number to that and then start weighting it is going to be good enough to, you know, end up with a finished product you can be happy with. No, that's that's a very, 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 very fair point. Um, play Like, say, we're taking San Francisco and we want to account for the fact that they lost uh, DeForest Buckner, right? Like, he was a really important player. Like, I think you need to come up with some subtraction to their, you know, to their defense and, and you need to evaluate, you know, figure out well, what was his contribution. Was it largely, you know, some contribution in the pass game, some contribution in the run game and, uh, and subtract accordingly. Uh, and then once you're done with all the subtractions, figure out who they added and go add them up. Uh, and then you have some new prior that reflects the information from last season, including uh, the adjustments that have, were made. And um, really, it's just your best guess as to, uh, you know, what the strength of that defense is going to be. And, you know, I think go through this systematically, um, you know, you're going to come up with, uh, you know, you may not get the exact rank right. In fact, I can pretty much promise you, you're going to have some huge misfits. Um, but you for sure are going to have some teams in the appropriate tier. Right. I mean, they, do, what do you think? Do you think you could name? Uh, the top, you know, what, what, what the top five defenses are going to be in 2020? How many of the top five? If we tried, we'd get two. That was exactly, that was what I meant to ask you. Uh, what do you think two out of five? If we, if we named five, I'd be pretty happy with that. Mm. What would you say right now? If top five. I don't even want to. I don't even want to play this game at all right now, <laughs> oh, man. Because I want to rank the Steelers, but at the same time, <laughs> we've shown teams fall off so quickly. I have them in my top five. I, I would. I, I almost have to. Like the Steelers and Bills, if they if they regress, they regress, I guess. But for now, how are you going to say that they've subtracted enough pieces to not be? And they'll be top ten. That were uh, some, you know. And again, you can do this exercise, and then two people get injured. Ask the Falcons about their defense the last couple of years. Like you lose one key cog, and things go to shit in a hurry. So yeah, Bills, I manually, Steelers, I manually maybe adjust. The, maybe the Redskins. Yeah, I manually maybe they have they have kind of the the kind Niners. Of, uh, they got the Niners um, recipe, so to speak. Um, the uh, but yeah, when you know, kind of after going through all my priors, um, I downgraded the Steelers relative to last year, and they're still in my top five. Um, I downgraded them on the basis of they had a lot of very, very high leverage things that bounced their way, um, particularly like like my my player value for Minka Fitzpatrick is nowhere close to what his actual his approximate value was, was last year. Right. And his approximate value last year was just screaming high because he returned what, like two or three uh, turnovers for touchdowns. So he had three, two, three, I think he, he might have had three pick sixes last year. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to recreate that. That's, that's, that kind of thing is so, so uh, not repeatable. And, you know, the, like you said, they are, they, there are parts of the Pittsburgh defense that I think you can go away from Fitzpatrick if he really is as good of a player as his last season performance would tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess do you off the top? Do, do you want me to name my top five? And do you want me to do you want to agree or disagree? I mean, yeah, just Bill Steelers, Ravens, Broncos, 
Oh man, the Vikings lost some. The Bears are not getting back to where they were. Niners lost some pieces. I still I have them in the top five. I, yeah, Niners or Packers. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, after it's all said and done, I have um, my top five in no particular order. Niners, Steelers, Bills. Uh, um, Ravens? Ravens and one surprise that you haven't mentioned yet. Titans? No. Don't know them. Don't know what to tell you. L.A. Chargers. Oh. L.A. Chargers are getting – they get Derwin James back. That's a huge impact. Nah, I can never um, rank them high. Like, nah, you think it's, there, just, it's about that oh, assuming injury? Yeah, I'm, I have to. Like, that's just how it works. <laughs> you can never assume injury except with the Chargers. <laughs> like, mm. They're going to they're gonna get people hurt. No, if, if they stay healthy, you're right. That's a good one. Yeah, Chargers and, Chargers and Jets are kind of sneaky for me. Sneaky. Now the Jets are probably going to lose a player. Yeah, well, that's possible. Um, yeah, and I think you know the player, the teams that were in the top five uh, for me that slid out: Minnesota, New England. Um, some of it's on the basis of attrition. Um, you know, some of it's just uh, just schedule based. You know, I, I downgraded them after we got to, after I kind of um, you know really took a hard look at their schedule last year. Um, and but they're still in the cusp. They're still in the top ten. Um, bottom five, you want to guess? That's a toughie too. Uh, like you've actually done this. I haven't done this yet. Um, I'm moving Miami out of my bottom five. Yeah, I did as well. Because they're going to be better. I'm going to move Tampa out of my bottom five because I think they will. While I'm not on board of some people saying just how good this Tampa defense is going to be, I think the diff- the change of offense is going to help the defense. God, I'm glad you brought up Tampa because Tampa yeah. is super, super interesting because There's their run four. defense, their run defense was the best in the league last year, but their pass defense was horrific. It was bad and they got lucky and they didn't really get picked on um, as much as they could have been. And it's the bottom 10, I think like people yeah. are saying it's going to be a middle of the pack. It's not going to be that much. Just, they're not going to be so horrific. They have just such a hugely lopsided difference between their pass defense and their run defense that Tampa. Yeah. Like I can already tell you, I have crystallized my thoughts on Tampa. They are going to be in a lot of coin flip games. Uh, they are going to n- no lead is going to be, uh, safe against them because they're going to they're, you're they're going to stone you every time you try to run out the clock. Um, but no lead that they have is going to be safe. Can they play <laughs> Dallas this year? Uh, boy, is that going to be a high rated game, Tom Brady? I versus, want that. Uh, to, what would you set the total at? Fifty two right away. Uh, fifty three minus twenty. Yeah, fifty three probably. Um, all right, so I'm moving Miami out. I'm moving Tampa out. Yeah, probably moving the Cardinals out. I'm probably looking at Panthers, Jags. Those are um, my bottom two. <laughs> um, Those are my bottom two. I haven't looked too closely at what Cincinnati did in the draft, but it's it's hard to get defensive players. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. Like, no, I have Cincinnati in my bottom yeah. five, too. Well, Their I mean, past well, defense is bad. About, just side sidebar here, adding defensive players through the draft 
it's helpful, but it doesn't turn a defense around that quickly. Um, the Lions pass defense. You, you can increase your pass rush, but coverage is, is so takes so long. It takes a couple of years for you to really see an impact from a you know on a player level um, for coverage. Giants are in my bottom five. Yes. Yeah. So Panthers, Giants, Jags, Bengals, Lions. And Lions are kind of a toss in. It could be Lions, yeah. it could be Raiders, it could be Falcons. You I agree with all those except I have the Lions just outside. And I have a team that you haven't mentioned that's in. Ooh, what are we thinking? I like I upgraded Arizona a little. Yeah. I upgraded I don't know who you're gonna go. I have no idea who you're gonna say. Colts. Dallas Cowboys. Oh yeah, that's a Dallas weird Cowboys. Game. Their pass defense was bad last year, and they lost their best player on the pass defense in Byron Jones. Um, that's going to be a team that really, really, really struggles defensively. I feel pretty confident about that. Um, who's even the defensive coordinator under McCarthy? It's, it's, uh, it's Mike Nolan. He's still that? alive. <laughs> He's still alive. Uh, let's 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 take a little break and shout out to nepotism. <laughs> Boy, once you get a job in the league, yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. what you do. You can you can just keep getting jobs. Yes, he, like somebody. Okay. Oh, oh man, you were a coordinator God. there. Like like if you're willing to go take like a running back coach job. Like it doesn't matter how bad of a coordinator, head coach, whatever you were, you, like you can always get a job somewhere. Uh, can you can you name me Mike Nolan's last four stops? Just teams. I I, I was I, I had no, like, no fucking no idea because I feel like he's no been, fucking like, club. things I've mentioned. Like he's been undercoat. I mean, was Atlanta even one of them? Yeah, Atlanta Atlanta was one of them. Yeah. Since he was the San Francisco 49ers head coach, Mike Nolan has been the D coordinator one year in Denver. Denver, years, Denver, Atlanta. Two, two years in Miami. Two years in Miami. Three years, Miami. three years in Atlanta. One year in San Diego. Two years. <laughs> actually, he had three years as the linebackers coach at the Saints. And I guess he did a great job coaching the Saints least effective unit by far the linebackers of the Saints are by far the weakest part of that defense so they bring him in as the D coordinator for Dallas um yeah that uh that doesn't speak uh highly of uh Dallas's defense this year so uh, I have him in my bottom five so we'll see if any of this holds I think everybody in the middle is not there's not that much of a distinguishing you know, the, there's not that much that uh, separates some of these teams in the middle. Um, but uh, again, you know, we'll probably have two right at the top, two or three right at the bottom. I feel like maybe it's easier to get the bottom right. You were always more of a bottom. <laughs> um, no, I, it's funny, like you said that, but I, I had a lot easier time just having teams pop into mind that I have. And, you know, again, I could be wrong on all 10 pretty easily, but I felt a lot more confident saying, you know, Carolina, Jacksonville, New York, like those are teams, you know, I don't know what metric we're going to use. If you're just using DVOA or points yards, expected points yards, something like that. YPP. Yeah. Something like that. You want to go expected points last year, Lions, Raiders, Texans, Cardinals, Dolphins, bottom five. Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, 
I upgraded the Raiders a little bit. I don't know if that's right or wrong. A lot of youth on that team last year, which I kind of gave a little bump for. Um, and as you can tell, just going through this discussion, this was very subjective. Very, very subjective. Ooh, ton of, hey, do you want an hour of Andy and Will's opinions? Well, no, I mean, I think it's, it's I mean, I think it's useful. It's useful to talk through this stuff. I'm sure people probably hear, oh, we need priors. Like, how are you getting a prior? Like, yeah. And I think if you don't do this, um, you know, with the hybrid approach where you're using some sort of, um, you know, some sort of numbers that are true, you know, grounded in reality combined with some sort of subjectivity that is kind of reflects your understanding of how the game works. I think that's important. Yeah. No, so, I dig it. I'm, uh, You've got me. You've got me like jacked up to do some, some actual hard digging in because I've, I've been slacking a little. I've had a lot of other projects on my. Yeah, on my we've had so many other sports going on. I can totally understand that. I just know. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to get this thing garden planted. I last year, ate all my corn, so now I'm like building a fence and all. Oh, that's smart. All yeah, that's smart. Um, so what big holes for a fence post? Oh, oh, it's really, 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 really hard. Um, oh, that's young, that's, that's a young man's game. Um, so what do you think about the defensive player of the year award? I think it's stupid. I, think it's probably, <laughs> I don't looking, I don't think there's a, a plus EV bet on the board. I don't totally disagree with that. Not, that's probably not a hundred percent. There's probably some long shots that the, the price is off, but. I mean, what do you think the hold is on that? Lots. A lot. Yes, I think it's pretty massive. I should have talked it, but uh, just kind of looking up and down and say it's at least 50% right now. And by that, you mean like 150? 150, yeah, 150%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is extremely tough. I mean, do you, so do you have a, I don't want to say like a hot take. But do you have a well, yeah, no, I think I think I do have a hot take. Which is, um, I, the way I'm looking at these prices, um, beyond Aaron Donald, who is seven to one in this market I'm looking at, I see a very clear, uh, intention here to try to up price guys who are good, maybe the best defensive player on a good defense, you know? And we've kind of talked about this for other awards and, you know, the fact that like, you know, Hey, you want to bet the MVP market? We'll figure out who's going to be the best quarterback on a team that wins X games, right? Like that, that's, you know, the starting point. Um, I don't know that I can agree that looking back at who's won this award, if that same philosophy holds true for the defensive player of the year, there's plenty of these teams where the defense overall was like, they were just fine or they were a little better than average, but the player in question was so outstanding uh, and had such an outsized impact that it was pretty obvious. He was the best defensive player in the league. And so they give the guy, the, you know, they get the right guy the award. Right. Like, I think there's this pretty. I think there's a pretty clear uh, signal across all of these guys who've won this in the last ten years that they found like the right guy. It wasn't just a throwaway award to the best guy on a good defense. Yeah, and I did. I did just while you were talking. I did just scrape it, and by scrape it, I mean copy it into a spreadsheet so I could mm-hmm. convert it quick. And we were a little low at fifty percent. Oh shit! Really? Is it eighty? 78.5 78 jesus Good that's God probably and, you know, and that's it's one of those things <sighs> say oh the hold's so high and everything's minus cv ah, 
I mean, at the same time, if you have a, a what you feel to be like an actionable angle, I, I don't. I wouldn't shy away from it. Sure. Just, if you want to make a fun bet on a guy you like, fuck it. Have some fun with it. You know, that's not small. <laughs> but at, at the same time, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Like, they are. They're saying if you know, and if if anybody doesn't quite understand what 78 percent means, it means. You know, if you convert all these into a percentage of chance that they should win based on these odds, you would think if you add them all up, it should equal 100%. Well, it equals 178%. So that's how much <laughs> overround you have. <laughs> and it's Maybe, mostly in the tail. I, it's mostly it, 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 is mostly, it is mostly in you know, the 66 to 1 on up. Like if you take all those people out, you're a lot closer to where you should be. But at the same time, like every every one of these numbers is – should be a lot higher. Yeah, like so max. No, like, no, what like you're getting into. Max, Max Crosby, Max with two X's, Max Crosby. Uh, he doesn't have a one percent chance to win this award. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, Max with two X's. Um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, kind of pretty clear guys way down the list that it's just like, okay, these aren't you don't you don't really have one one or half a percent either that, that tends to add up well if, yeah if you just take the 50 percent guys on up it's still 137 <laughs> it's still it's still pretty uh, tough. It's, yeah this, this is, is gonna be old. don't don't go don't go nuts on this and you know say i'm gonna build a portfolio of like nine guys like you're still you're still struggling to meet you're that. you're way underwater yeah that's yeah. true um so i don't know i guess I, like his, I, what's your what's your historical angle like well, historically I, I, yeah there seems to be guys who come into the league and have an absolutely spectacular year um like Darren donald in 2015 he had maybe the most uh incredible uh incredible you know uh AV of all of the ones I'm looking at in terms of his impact. Uh, but he did get beat up by JJ Watt that year, you know? And then, uh, I'm sorry, there's 2016, he got beat up by Khalil Mack just because Khalil Mack had the numbers. Um, but then in 2017 and 2018, he wasn't necessarily, you know, he was very good, but I don't have him as the best. Um, but because kind of people had anchored, you know, how great he was from the previous year, I think that kind of carried him a bit. So I think there's a little bit of like, um, legacy sort of building to build up to winning this award. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's like a, people have to have bought into, Oh no, this guy is the best defensive player in the game right now. Right. I think. Yeah, it's not Gilmore, just, you know, if like yeah. some, if somebody on a bad team ends up with like 10 interceptions, like he's got a good shot, but it's still, you know, well, did you see what Aaron Donald did or JJ Watt or, yeah, right. You know, Mac, any any of the big names. I think all those guys have won it. Yeah, yeah, they all have. Um, but they, you know, kind of, I feel like there's a little bit of, like, the torch has been passed, you know? I mean, I guess J.J. Watt won it, Keekly, and then J.J. Watt got it back. Like, he took the torch back for a couple of years, you know? But, like, there's a little bit of torch passing that goes on with this award, I think, to a degree. Um, and I think you have to legitimately think like, okay, well, who is considered a top 10 defensive player before the season started? Who's next? That's kind of the angle. (laughs) That's kind of the angle. Is it the, you know what? And if you want to go, if you want to take a trip and take my hand, climb up into the carriage and take a trip to narrative town, 
Miles Garrett redemption tour. Yeah, it's not crazy. It's really not. Because it might they might be. I I don't think it's as important to be like a really good team, but it certainly doesn't hurt. If you're yeah. you know, if you're a good team, especially if you're a good team and you were predicted to be a good team, you have more primetime games. I don't think that hurts. You know, that's it's a great point. Because it's a shitty award that people vote on. So having having some primetime games, although like Khalil Mack, you know, the, the Bears weren't expected to be good that year. And he still he still ended up taking it. I think it had to be that year, wasn't it, with the Bears? Oh no, he he was a Raider at that time. Was he? Yeah, twenty sixteen. He was those before he got traded. Aaron Donald beat him out when he had his amazing year with the Bears in twenty eighteen. Right, you're yeah. right. I, I just pulled it up. I forgot about that. Well, I mean, then, well, how good were the Raiders in twenty sixteen? Uh, were they? Did they go to the playoffs? Were they eleven and five? I'm trying to find out now. Like that's gonna bother me a little. Like, were were the Raiders any good? Twenty sixteen Raiders were twelve and four. They were second in the AFC West. Well, there we go. It does take a, like being on a good team helps. It does. It does help. Um, they lost in the wild card round, twenty seven fourteen to. Uh, uh, was that Brock Osweiler? Was that Brock Osweiler versus yeah. Connor Cook? That might have been. Uh, <laughs> that was Brock Osweiler beat Connor Cook. Um, that was funny. That yeah, was we wild. should definitely add another playoff team, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I definitely think there is a little bit of the passing of the torch. I don't think you can bet Aaron Donald at 7-1. to one. Um, I think there is potential that, um, especially, uh, you know, you saw it last year. They took away his impact by... Um, you know, having not having him play next to Dominic and Sue any longer, I feel like mm-hmm. um, you were it was a hell of a lot easier to put two hats on. He still might be the best defensive player in the game. I think he would be the first defensive player drafted if you were crafting, a, you know, you know, doing a redraft of the league. Um, but uh, I don't know that he's going to be able to put up the statistics and the, you know and make make it a clear. Um, Make it clear that he's still the best. All right, I'm going to give you. Uh, I'm going to give you three quick categories because I don't think we can go through every one of these. So, okay. If you had to pick a Watt, yeah, TJ easily. TJ Watt. I don't. I'm 100. They're, they're the same price, and I think that's hilarious. That's insane. That's absolutely. TJ yeah. should be all right. Yeah. No. I. I. I right now, I, I'm striking the top three. Aaron Donald. I don't think is going yeah. to be able to make enough of an impact because he's on an island. Nick Bosa, I don't think he is as good yeah, as no, people I think he is. He benefited from you know from the amount of um, you know just the the depth of that defensive line and has taken some shots. Uh, and JJ Watt at eleven to one is utterly hysterical. Yeah, I, I think at this point in his career, with with all due respect to what he's done, all right, yeah. <laughs> pick, pick a guy, a secondary guy who can you know whether it's safety corner, yeah. or somebody who can flash out. Uh, yeah, it can, I mean, it can be Gilmore again. Like, is there a secondary guy that you think can have a big year and rack up some stats for a good team somewhere? Down I'm intrigued. There? I'm intrigued on a, in a in a Raven. Um, okay, maybe Marcus Peters. Uh, he can absolutely flash. Uh, he can absolutely make highlights. He could get a couple of uh, pick sixes. He's uh, he had a little, you know, he had a little drop off in how people perceived him as a player. He got shipped. 
Um, but he's going to be on a great team. Um, team that likes the blitz, team that likes to create mistakes the quarterback makes. You know, like they like to, it's, it's a good setup and it's a deep secondary. I think um, Peters is the second best cornerback. Um, wow. I think Humphrey's a better quarterback. Um, but yeah, my third one was going to be pick a long shot, but you kind of ruined that by taking Peters. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry, sorry. No, sorry, I'm, sorry. And I don't hate it. Because um, right. It's no, a, it's no, a good you team. Like, He's a great yeah. player and his number might be a little long. Yeah. You know, okay. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to re, I'm going to repick for that first category then. Um, second, the surprise. a secondary player. Give me, uh, give me, uh, Tredavious White. Uh, he is, in my opinion, he might be the best. He might be the best. He might be, he might be the best corner, period, uh, across the NFL this season. Um, I think that he's a. There's almost certainly he's going to be top three. Um, Bills potentially could have a very good defense. Uh, and Tre'Davious White has never really created. You know, he's he's got the you know, kind of like the the Daryl Revis at his you know at his peak kind or of. Or he'll, he'll have this one good year and then. You know, slowly <laughs> and to the point I made earlier about some primetime games, like the Bills are getting a little more buzz this year. That doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt at all. And uh, I think everybody kind of recognized how good he was last year. And uh, and he's, you know, I think it, it's possible that he's hands down considered the best cornerback in the uh, in the league this year. Uh, and he might be the guy on the coverage side if I was going to take a coverage guy. What's his number? Like twenty eight to one. Okay, I'm gonna put a little, little lunch money on that. I think that's fair. I think he should. I mean, I definitely think he should be. Um, you know, he. Should, I. I don't. Again, you know, uh, Stefan Gilmore is not going to win this award again, and he's sixteen to one. I would take Tre'Davious White twenty. Would you say twenty eight? Yeah, if I had to go, yeah. it'd be like Derwin or White. I think for me, twenty and twenty eight. Dermot got Dermot got beat up. He's at twenty to one. Yeah, I know it. It still sucks, but like, I don't think Minka is going to have the flash plays. It's still a very good player, stud, love him. But and then like, also, what, yeah, what are we T- doing? Jalen Ramsey. That's not if they give it to a Steeler, that's they're going to give it to TJ. You know they are. Or like Jamal yeah. Adams. I know what team he's going to be on. <laughs> so yeah. that's a good point. White, um, White or Derwin James for me. If I had to go secondary. And okay. if, uh, in my watt category, yeah, TJ by a million. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't love. I don't mean I don't hate the. Um, what's what was the number on uh, Miles Garrett? Eighteen. Mm. Yeah. Chop it around Eventually, I need to. I'm doing my calling down to. I feel like this is one of those where, like, there's going to be some rogue numbers at some of the legal books because you, like, you know that there will be. It just seems like those these markets are so poorly priced at like FanDuel and DraftKings and stuff like that, where there's always some rogue shit. So, yeah. If you, uh, if you still, shop around, you do my barnstorming get... tour of Iowa and sign up for like eight mobile accounts. <laughs> if you, if you shop around, you can get the hold down from 80% to like 40. <laughs> you can create a synthetic hold, create a uh, portfolio with every player with a hold of like 36. As I'm going all to like the, Practically to Nebraska to go get a bet friend account. <laughs> Drive all over the state and ensure you lose money. Um, okay, uh, there's there's a lot of guys at the top of this market, but I just don't see any sense in betting. I, I don't see any sense in betting Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I think Aaron Donald will always be considered the better player on that team, right? That's yeah, no, Jalen Ramsey's number stupid. Yeah, um, 
I don't think you can bet on any of the guys from the uh, the um, Broncos. I don't think Von Miller's priced fairly. I don't think Bradley Chubb priced fairly. Um, I don't see anything. I don't. I really don't see anything that interests me. Yeah, I don't see and much. That, of that anything is a problem with the too. There's some of these good defenses they have so many good players they take away from each other. Um, like I said, I joke. I bet Daniel Hunter a bunch, but now he's twenty five to one, which still like, such a good player. Dude, he's an animal. But uh, yeah, that would be the only Viking, and now his number's pretty beat up. I can tell you who else not. Darius Smith, 40. Do not. Yeah, Zedarius Smith at 40 is interesting. I was going to bring him up in a minute, but um, don't hate that one either. Uh, How about uh, what the hell is Alden Smith doing on here at 66 to 1? I don't know. That's the thing, too. So, you know, I mentioned all those legal books. I'm sure there's a bunch of you guys listening that have. Sugar House and FanDuel and Draft, all, all those accounts on the East Coast and all the legal states. Like, hit us up if hit us up if you have some off market number. It'll be interesting to hear. Like, tweet at us. Let us know if there's yeah, some or if you have. I, like, I don't even know if these markets angle. are off yeah. at, at some of the yeah. legal books, but if they are, you know, let us know if there's something silly they're hanging. I'm gonna. I'm in total. I'm probably gonna have a a relatively nice lunch lunch money <laughs> across this entire market if you have a more comp just for just yeah, for kicks a steak, um, a steak and a wedge salad <laughs> maybe one, a, one drink maybe not, a drink yeah, not yeah. more yeah that's right like when they come for the refill like ah, i'll just have a water <laughs> would you like another whiskey sparkling no. we'll make it sparkling no. this yeah. Is sparkling water for me, yeah. yeah um okay all right Sandstone. uh so I guess if you put together a portfolio of three guys with uh, an expensive lunch money, who are you taking? Man, it, I'm probably there with White with you. Garrett, White, TJ. I want TJ. TJ is probably underpriced and it's dumb, but man, he's good. Yeah. Yep. T, yeah. Yep. TJ, Garrett, White. Don't hate that at all. Now I have to. Um, I, I made a, a, a promise <laughs> all the time. I'm here. All right, I'm going to do TJ White and Marcus Peters. Um, the Marcus Peters one is just for fun. Six and six. Yeah. Man, uh, are we sleeping on Zadarius Smith forty to one? He was pretty fucking good last year. Let's not make this portfolio too big. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, sounds good. Um, all right. Well, with that, uh, good job talking defense. That was fun. fun. I think yeah, we, you uh, know what defense matters to podcasts? I sure does. And boy, did it improve my mood today. Um, I was in a miserable mood when oh, we started. I felt a hell of a lot better. Me down, dude. I was oh, doing my day. I didn't even And did that effect. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, bought, I bought like uh, beef sticks from the gas station. So I'm just going to eat this and have a water. <laughs> I just need like I, I knew like I wasn't even hungry. I was just sad. So sad. Well, oh, so I'm like, sad. God, I gotta get some protein in me or I'll keel over. Oh, that's so sad. Um, I understand though because I was feeling it too, man. It was what a bummer of a day. Um, just uh, just not great, man. Um, all right, Usually, well, I'm a silver lining guy or I'm a glass half full guy, but I was really sure they were canceling golf. I was too. 
So I guess I'm happy, but and hopefully they made the right call, and hopefully they have things under control on the PGA Tour, and they got rid of some bad apples who aren't following the rules, (laughs) and then some people who are just unlucky and got corona. (laughs) They weren't all bad apples. Bless up, guys. Yeah. Um, all right, man. I'll take 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 it easy. We'll talk. Uh, assuming that golf uh, still exists on Monday, let's. Uh, or I guess we're gonna talk golf next week on Wednesday, right? Yeah, maybe we'll do maybe we'll do some more football Monday. There's plenty of yeah. stuff. We, yeah, did, we, we'll we just did an hour and a half on talking defense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Talk to you. Then.